Hello, and thanks for finding us. Karam Deo is a local church in Denver, Colorado. We're a network of friends following Jesus together. Join us for preaching, teaching, announcements, and other musings. Thanks for making me cry right before I come to speak. That's always awesome. So I've got like a nose full of snot right now. So if I snot on you, forgive me, especially you guys. Just a little bit about me. All of my life I've been kind of pastoring, you know, in church work. Back when I was like 16 years old in a little Southern Baptist church, I felt this like call and movement to like work for God. And back in those days, you could be the preacher guy, you know, and you had to like step on on that big pulpit thing and uh, do that stuff. Or you could be a worship pastor. But back in those days, they had the little hymnals and the guy like did this the whole time, right? So it wasn't cool. But then there was a youth pastor guy and he didn't have to wear a tie. So I thought the Lord was definitely calling me into youth ministry. And so I did youth ministry for a long, long time. And then I landed in a church in Texas. And I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I ended up in Kentucky. That's where I met my Southern Belle over there. She taught me English. I got a little bit of a hick accent. I moved down into the deeper south, into the Texas, to go do my grad work. That was crazy. But there was a church there that was like a church planting church. And there was a guy there, if you guys have already learned about apostles, he was kind of apostolic, and he was planting churches all over the place. And he was like, you should plant one too. And I was like, okay, cool. I didn't know what that meant, but I decided to do it. And they trained me up and they sent me to Colorado. All right. So we were planting up a church up in uh, Superior from 2002 to 2012. Then we came down here to Littleton, met these guys. That was a fun trip. Then we moved up to Longmont, which is a lot like Kentucky. They, you know, actually, they call it Longtucky for a reason. And then we were there for a little bit. I don't even know why Longmont is in Boulder County because it's like opposite worlds, all right? But then we made it back down to Superior about, what, four or five years ago, Amy? Because God had really given us this, this place, and he wouldn't let it go. Like, he, it, just this little town, four square miles, by the way, little superior, if you've ever been there, four square miles, 15,000 people, and we just can't get away from it. So we built this, like, multiple income stream kind of thing to be able to live back there and just give ourselves back to the people. And then all of a sudden, I lost one of those incomes in the town offered me a job. Now I do like community relations and communications, community engagement. Basically, I talk to people that are mad every day, all day about stuff, which is just like being a pastor, which is, you know, so awesome. I mean, people call, there's all kinds of stuff going on in their hearts, and you sit there and you start trying to manage. What is real here? Where is God here? How's our anxiety going? How do I move through this? And so really the, the city pays me to be a pastor still, which is fun and not so much fun at sometimes. Because in church world, right, I mean, you get to talk about like all these great things of God, direction and vision and, you know, where are we going in life and what's God doing in you to mature you. In, in city work, you talk about brown grass, you know, so people call and say, the, the grass outside that the city is, you know, taking care of and, you know, close to my house, it's getting a little brown. We should water there a little bit more. And they are like amped up. And if this doesn't get done within this week, you know, so it's just, yeah, it's a little different. Anyway, so the thing is, though, in the middle of all of that, there's a calling and a grace and a gifting that God gives all of us. And regardless of who pays you, who writes your paycheck, that calling and that grace and that gift is still in you. 
And it's usually, and we'll talk about this, for the beautiful purposes of God. So you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, I am a lesser Christian or a lesser follower because I'm not like, you know, Matt and Dave. Like, they get to do this full time. They get you know, to hang out about on this all, all the time. But, but the thing is, is that the way that the scriptures were kind of put together, the way that God built it all, he said, everybody gets to play no matter where we land in life. And every one of those pieces comes together for the beautiful, you know, pie that, you know, he's, he's baking, okay? So if you are, you know, going to know anything through this time is that every one of you is extremely valuable to the kingdom. God created you and made you special for this time, for this little season of time, this little blip in history. And he was like, this is very good. I love this, that Amy is here, that Dave is here, that Mary is here, right, Mary? that all of you guys and gals are here. And that is pretty cool. So I understand that you guys are in this, you know, kind of series looking at Ephesians. And it kind of moves through all of these little words up here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, that's kind of weird. You know, I didn't know that apostles still lived or, you know, they were still around or, you know, shepherds I thought belonged in the fields, not in the church. You know, I mean, you know, it's kind of weird language sometimes that we have in the scriptures and you've been moving through that and so already you've had messages about some of these I think next week or you're going to profit is next so each one of these has gotten a little bit of special application or a little special what what do I want to say Uh, attention attention yeah and so you've been learning how many of you have been around for most of this thing you know heard some of these messages okay cool so you kind of know what's going on so what I want to do today is Go through the scriptures one more time and kind of give you my spin on it, just quickly, briefly. And then the thing that I was thinking about in the middle of all this is, you know, as Matt says, as we mature into this stuff, as we grow into this stuff, we've got to think about it as like, how does this actually work in real life? As a pastor guy, I was paid to be a professional Christian, right? I mean, people paid me to read my Bible every day, to, to walk with God, uh, to meditate. I was actually, you know, taking a walk yesterday, and I was like, God, I miss doing this every day, because that was just the rhythm of life that I was in, because I was a paid professional Christian guy, right? But then, all of a sudden, I started working for the city, and my time was not my own anymore, Right? All of a sudden, somebody else was telling me what to do. Somebody else was giving me, you know, chunks of time that they needed things done for them. And I couldn't just go, you know, in the middle of the day and decide I was going to go read the Bible for three hours and, and meditate on the goodness of the Spirit of the Lord, right? And so I was thinking in the middle of trying to prepare this for you all is, how does this work in real life? Like, if I am a government worker sitting behind my little computer all the time and people are just calling left and right and left and right and I have no space to actually try to move with God, how do I move with God? Like, he's still asking me to move with him. He's still asking me to follow him. He's still asking me to move into all these beautiful things in the scriptures. But how does that work in real life? Or as the kids say, IRL, right? I'm not a kid anymore, uh, so I, I can't, when I say it, it sounds kind of funky. When you guys say it, it's kind of still cool. All right, so anyway, in real life, and so uh, if you've got a Bible, grab it. We're going to look at Ephesians. I think it's, I'm going to have it up here too, and we'll just look through this scripture, and again, I just want to move through it, give you a little bit of spin on it. I love that you all have had different people talking about these things, because it is true that multiple voices make the scriptures come alive. My, my daughter 
Emma one day came to me after visiting some churches after she had left the house. And she said, who came up with the thing that only one guy gets to talk? You know? And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was one of those guys. Like, I was the preacher guy for 10 years. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, what is it about, you know, us that we just have to have one guy? And it really warms my heart to know that you all have had different voices speaking into this. The way that we learn about the faith, it's like a diamond. It's a beautiful diamond. And different people, different experiences, different you know, walks of life, different genders, look at that diamond in different ways. And hopefully today you'll get another little facet of the diamond. So Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to move through that a little bit. And then I want to just give you like a little smattering of in real life stuff to kind of go away with. And then Matt's going to do something after that, I think. Okay, anyway, so here we go. So Christ himself gave the apostles, okay, and let's just, uh, let's just stop right there. The apostle guy is the guy that is like, what is the next hill we're going to take? Where, where are we going next? What are we going to do? They, they sur- seldom think about one little thing. They think about a thousand things. They have a, th- a billion ideas, and they're always wanting to do something new. The apostle is the one that's thinking about not just a church, but a movement of churches, right? Uh, they're not thinking about, you know, our town. They're thinking about the city and the region and the world, you know? So the apostle is just always like, what's the next hill we're going to take? Christ himself gave a personal gift to the church of these apostle guys. They're sometimes really annoying, but it's a gift from God. So just, you know, learn to receive it with love and grace. Matt Holst. Okay, then you got the prophets. And the prophet guys are the ones that are always saying, let's remember what the Lord said. Remember justice. Remember the widow and the orphan. I mean, you'll hear more about this next week. I mean, they're the ones that are always tethered back to the Word of God. And that discernment helps them to then see ahead. And so they have a lot of warnings for us. Be careful. You don't want to go that way. The prophet's always kind of giving us the big perspective picture of who God is, how we fit into the story, and how we move ahead into it. So then you got that guy. And then the evangelist. God gives us the evangelist. And these guys are always thinking about, who is it that doesn't know God? There's got to be somebody. Somebody around here doesn't know God. We've got to find them, and we've got to tell them the good news, right? And so you got these guys. They're kind of the recruiters. They're the recruiters of the movement. And maybe you're like that. You know, you love church. You love God. Uh, maybe even more than you love Chick-fil-A and you tell everybody about them, right? You know, so uh, think about the people that are always, every time you meet them, they're sitting there thinking, you know, you hear about something new that they've experienced that they're done, you know, those are evangelist type people, okay? So you have those guys and those gals in the church. And then there's the pastors. And the pastors are the ones also referred to as shepherds. And these are the ones that are always saying, how are the people? Is everybody okay? Are you okay? How's the, is the temperature okay for you? Okay, good. Good. Excellent. Did you have enough to eat today? Perfect. Okay, and they're mad at everybody else. The apostle's moving too fast. Hey, slow down. We got a lot of people here. They're, you know, they need to go at a good pace. They're mad at the prophet. You're, you're being mean. Stop being mean. You know, they, they, the evangelist, you know, they're like, okay, evangelist, like, you know, you've got to tell this stuff, like, you know, like pace yourself. You're being too excited, you know. So the shepherd's always watching out for the people, pastoring the people and protecting them. And you've heard about that, all right? And then there's this other guy called the teacher. And the teacher's always thinking, what's the Bible have to say about that? 
If you're going to say something, you better back it up with the Bible. Give me the scripture, the reference, the cross-reference. You know, they, they're like all over the place trying to make sure that we are biblically rooted in the teaching of the Lord so that we don't make mistakes, right? They are, I mean, they are about the content of the thing. And if the Spirit kind of gets in there, they're fine with that, but mainly the content, all right? It's got to be the right content, all right? Hopefully our teachers are also Spirit-led. All right, so you got all these people that God, Christ Himself, gives us a gift. And here's why He gives them. To equip His people for works of service. So these gifts, these equippers, are being given to the church, to the body, so that we will serve. Which really lines up with the whole Jesus thing, right? He said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, what do you have to be? The servant of all. You really want to be awesome? Learn to serve. And so Paul catches this theme over here, and he says, this, this is cool. We actually are now starting to find a framework for how we're going to be equipped as a body to serve the world, to serve our little neighborhood, and to serve the world. It's little, and it's big. It's here, and it's there. Everywhere you find yourself, there's a little sprinkle of service you can bring in your own unique way. There's a big debate, too, among the people that study all this APES stuff, and they, some of them say that you can't actually have the title of apostle, prophet, teacher, whatever, unless you're equipping people, all right? So there's, there's two ways to look at it. If you look up at verse 7, if you have a Bible, it says, but to each of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So it sounds like everybody gets gifts and some different things. And then down here in 11, you know, he says, so Christ himself gave apostles, these, you know, these five little you know, people to equip. There seems to be some you know, hierarchy, but there seems to be like everybody gets a little bit of something. It's a little bit of both and, okay? So the debate really is both and. It's not necessarily one or the other. That there are some people among us that will equip us to be better apostles, to be better teachers, to be better evangelists. And then every one of us has probably a little seed of one of these inside of us. Something that we lean towards that the Lord will use to grow and mature in us. So that then as we grow and take responsibility for others, that we can give that away then as well. We can equip others. So just know that that's in play as well. And then it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we work uh, in service so that the body of Christ is built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the big you know, two reasons that you know, we do all this is unity and maturity. So he's saying, I'm doing all of this, all of this stuff. If we could find some unity around it, that'd be really cool. If we could find some maturity around it, that would be really cool. So as you're reading the scriptures, as you're looking through all this stuff, and you start moving into the heart of God, he continues to be praying this thing like, I just want them to be one. If they could figure out how to be one in the Lord, then maybe all this other junk that we fight and argue about will go away, and we can actually like, move together in love. And if they can actually grow up in maturity, maybe this uni unity thing can happen. I sometimes think that the reason we are not united in this world, and we're way divided right now, right, is because we haven't moved into maturity. Like, we haven't grown up and learned to, like, talk like adults and talk in love and speak to each other and express opinions in a way that respects the other person in front of us. 
we just decide to go back to kindergarten and throw Legos at each other. I mean, it's just weird. Anyway, so that is happening here too. But then I just want you to see real quick in 14 and 15, and I'll just read this quickly. This gives us a little bit of the why behind all this and the how. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind, every wind of teaching and the cunning of craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. All right, so basically he's just saying, like, this world has a lot of different ideas, and if you are not rooted in something, you are going to be all over the place. If there's not a core strength in you, and by the way, I do uh, yoga with Adrian, and she's always talking about core strength, you know, so, and, and all of it, you know, if you, if you move from in here, then everything else is okay. The same thing with God. Like, he's saying, if you've got some core strength in you, if you've got this unity and maturity, if you're working for service, if, if the body is working together for love, then you're going to have this strength, and you will be steady. You'll be steady, all right? So, Part of the deal, part of the why, is that you will have a steadiness, a discernment, and a wisdom to move through this world, okay? And then he says, instead, and this is now the how, this is how we're going to move into doing all this, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love... As each part does its work. So how do we do this? We speak in love. We build up in love. Do you get it? So you're sitting there thinking about, you know, what is it? How is it that we move in this whole aspect of this thing? What is this all about? What is Paul trying to construct here? It is a love movement, which again tethers him to Jesus. That's how we know Paul was a Jesus guy, because he keeps moving back into this love talk. He comes back to this maturity conversation. He moves into that prayer of Jesus, the prayer of unity towards each other. And again, he's just reiterating some things. Body, I'm going to put some things in place here so that we can grow up in love, so we can speak to each other in love. And all these things will build us up so that we can go do our good stuff based on the giftings that have been given to every one of us out in the world. Make sense? Pretty easy, right? All right. So how does this happen then in real life? How do you take all this structure? You're like, this is beautiful. I love it. You know, wonderful. And then we'll go back home, you know, and it'll all fall apart, right? Because we'll, one, forget it. Two, like, what's the structure of Apest in my home? You know, I don't know if you guys think about that. I, I think about that. Like, I have, like, my whole family, we've, we've given them all, you know, different offices, you know. So we've got Hein as our prophet. Uh, you know, she, you know, tells the truth. Like, you can come up to Hein and say, so how does this look? And she says, that's awful. You know, she's that kind of truthful person. My wife is the shepherd. She's always taking care of things, always protecting things. Anyway, we do that in our family. I don't suggest that in your family because then you'll feel like you're weird or people will think you're weird. So how do you do it in real life? And I just have four or five things, maybe six for you guys here. All right, here we go. Number one, take your next best step. So you're sitting there thinking like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> And uh, it sounds really, really crazy, and I have no idea how to step into it. And what I would say to you is take your next best step. So maybe your next best step is, I need to come back next week to hear about this prophet guy so that I can be a little bit better, you know, have a little more knowledge about what this whole thing is all about. For you, it may be, I need to figure out maybe what gifting God has given me. And maybe you talk to somebody that you know in your house church 
or maybe you know one of your pastors and say like I'm trying to figure out what my gifting is what my gift is to the world what has God given me maybe your next step is hey so I'm kind of a periphery part of this community but sounds like I need to take a next step in maybe I need to join a house church maybe I need to be a part of that and so there's all kinds of next steps that you can make I think of you know, for me, sometimes when I, when I hear the challenges of the Scripture, I want to do it all at once, right? Because then I'll be a good Christian. And I don't think God works that way. If you look at the way that He handled people all through the Scriptures, it was with this calm, with this ease, and with this grace. And so He would move and say hard things, like, you know, I don't know if you remember when He said, drink my blood and eat my body. Remember that one? And everybody left. They were like, like you're really weird. But in the middle of that, he had this grace. So he'd speak the truth, and in the middle, then he'd catch people on the back end and say, okay, so you need to go, that's cool. And some people stayed, okay, then come. And I think for us, we've got to know that God's going to give us a lot of challenges in life, and we can come to them knowing that he's going to love us through it, that we can just take one step. We don't have to take the whole, ju- the whole step together. We just have to take one step together. And that's the kind of thing that Matt was talking about. It's not about perfection. It's about trajectory. So as long as you're leaning, even leaning in the right direction, you're doing it right, all right? I just want you to know, if you're leaning towards Christ, you're doing it right. If, you, if, you're, if you're taking a step towards Christ, you're doing it right. And I don't, I don't want you to ever feel like you've got to get the whole thing down. Because this whole thing about attaining the fullness of the, the full measure of Christ, it's a lifetime thing. And, and it's probably not a lifetime thing. It's probably an eternal thing, by the way. Not, not to you know, be a pessimist. I think we'll get a lot, but there's more to be had probably on the other side as well. So get as much as you can, but know that there's more coming and know that you can take one step at a time. Is that cool? Everybody cool? In real life, one step at a time because we're all just humans, all right? Here's number two. Go at God's speed. One of my friends says that we should all move at God's speed and the speed of God is love and love is slow. All right? Did you, did you catch that? We should all move at God's speed. And the speed of God is love. And love is slow. I met my wife in 95, 96. Is that? No. Before that. 92? She's also the record keeper. That's also a gift in the kingdom of God. And she, you know, I remember, you know, at the very beginning of that... You know, I, I thought I knew what love was. Don't we all, right? Whenever we're 21 or two. And I was like, I know all of love, you know, as I'm here with this woman, you know. And I, but now, 24 years into our marriage, it is right, 24, baby? Okay. 24 years into our marriage, I'm like, I don't, I don't know the first thing about love. Like, I'm just tasting the very first moments the, 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 first, the, the, the essences of what real love is, and it's taken time, these loops and this you know, journey of moving back and forth in relationship, of the fights and the struggles, of being able to forgive over and over again. And I've had to give myself grace in moving at the speed of God because God's speed is love and love is slow. And He's gentle and gracious in us in moving us through that spot. So not only are you going step by step, you're moving at the speed of God. And sometimes that is really slow. Now, sometimes love is really fast. 
Like God says, go serve that person today. And you're like, yes, sir, on my way, right? You do it fast. Or sometimes there's a need at home and you move in love immediately. But the, the maturity of love takes a lifetime. And so the maturity of being a Christ follower takes a lifetime. The maturity of understanding your gift and how to use it takes a lifetime. It just continues to evolve and be beautiful. Some things you're doing today in sharing your giftedness, you know, you think, man, I know, I know how to do it. It's great. It's awesome. But five years from now, you're like, I really flow in this now. Like, it's just natural. And 10 years from now, you're like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And 20 years from now, it's just the air you breathe. I mean, you walk into rooms and people just feel your gift just by your presence. That's how love and God work. And so again, I just want to just settle your heart down that all this stuff is amazing. These are challenges that God gives us. And, and I, mean, I mean, move into it like you want to move into it. But He will take His time developing you over time. Got it? Number two, move at God's speed. Here's number three. Be who you are, where you are. As you learn your gifting, you know, and, and there's all kinds of giftings, right? Some of you are encouragers. Some, you know, beyond the apest structure, there's also spiritual gifts. and Maybe there's even spiritual fruits that we bring into the mix. And so some of us just bring patience and joy into the room. Some of you guys bring encouragement and service into the room. And then some of you do move in these five-fold type ways. You like lead as an apostle. You're always thinking of ideas or you're a teacher and you're always wanting to be meticulous about the content of what's being said. And what I would say, if you're going to actually step into this in real life, that you just decide that you're going to be who you are, who God made you to be, where you are, and that you wouldn't apologize for it. That when I step into my home, like my mixing is kind of like a shepherd prophet. And, and that's a weird mix because that's the guy that says, here's what the Lord says. And just like gets you, you know, like crazy truth. And then, and then you're like, are you okay with that? Is that every, are you all right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I said that. So, you know. so it's, it's a weird mixing. But I have to, in that shepherding and prophet kind of space, even in my home, I have to show up as that. That's the gifting that God has given me. And God has put me in my home. And so I have to use my gifting there. And then God, for whatever weird reason, took me out of the church where I was very comfortable and put me in this city, you know, cubicle land place. And I have to figure out, how does shepherd prophet live in this space? But because that's who God made me to be. That's the gifting He gave me for the works of service in the world. Then I've got to figure out, how does a shepherd prophet move in this space? And sometimes it's, you know, I'm in a meeting and, some, and something will rise up in me that just doesn't feel quite ethical. And the thing is, like, I have to raise my hand and say, could I say one thing about that? And then speak into that situation. Not all, always will they go for it, right? Sometimes they're like, you're crazy. This is what we're doing. But sometimes they'll listen. And something about the mood or the space or the atmosphere changes. And they're like, you know, you're right. We're making a bad move and we should go this way instead. Or sometimes the way that works out is that because I'm sitting there trying to love people in the way that God might love them as a shepherd guy, right? I'm just taking care of people. Somebody will come and knock on my, you know, little cubicle door and say, uh, hey, you, you talk to people, right? And I'm like, I do. And so then we go and get a little latte, and I listen, 
And then I just love and talk and try to move as a shepherd in that space. And I cannot tell you in the last four years how many conversations I've had, how I've been able to live as a shepherd in a government setting, how I've been able to live as a prophet in a government setting. So I'm sitting there like, before, when I was a pastor guy, I didn't really know that this worked in real life, but it does. If you're an evangelist type person, the way that kind of works out in real life, if you are who you are, where you are, is that you appropriately let people know about the stuff you love. I love this. You're talking and different things, and somebody's talking about this concert they went to, and you're like, you know what I love? I love you know this thing called Quorum Deo. What is? What the heck is that? And then you get, what? I'll tell you about it. You know, if it's okay with you, it's kind of like a churchy thing. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. And then all of a sudden, the evangelist starts playing in the real world. You see, and it's not weird. It's just you're talking about the things you love. In the real world, they talk about everything else. Why not God? Right. I mean, we watch the little morality, you know, videos and the ethic videos, and that's just out the window. Everybody doesn't care about that stuff. I I feel like I can bring God into the mix. I mean, he's he's not that dangerous, you know. So that's the next space, is that you need to figure out how to be who you are, where you are. And I think that'll give you great freedom. If you're an encourager, encourage, bring it. Don't wait till God gives you a word, you know, and shows you a sign and gives you like a son, you know, whatever. Just be an encourager everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. That's the gift that God has given you. Use it. Mature into it. Figure out how to do it better. Figure out how to move into it more. If it's service, serve, 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 serve. Sprinkle your gift all around. Mature in that gift. Grow. Learn about it. Teach it to other people. It is a gift to us. Please. We need you. You know? If you're any one of these apex kind of people, jump into it. Be who you are, where you are. In Acts 11, I think it's Acts 11 around there, it's right after Stephen gets killed and there's a bunch of persecution. Everybody gets started scattering out and there's some people that end up like in Syria, like close to Antioch is the word in the, in the Bible. And, and these guys are just regular people, but they've heard the message of God. And they start figuring out, like, hey, you know, if we heard the message of God and it's a good message for us, then we should share it with others. And remember, this was a Jewish movement at the beginning. But then these guys mess it all up and start telling the Greeks about it, the Gentiles about it, all right? They get in trouble with the church. The church sends Paul out to figure out what they're doing wrong. It turns out they're not doing anything wrong. But the thing is, is that these guys learned the beautiful things of Jesus, started living out the things of Jesus, and then just started spreading the things of Jesus. They didn't know any better, but they were regular guys. They weren't any kind of special credential, theological, doctrine-filled people. And it says in the Bible that that's the place in Antioch where the people, the followers of Jesus, were first called Christians. And it was because a bunch of people decided to be who they were, where they were. They got displaced somewhere else. And they said, we can't be anything else but who God made us to be. Does that make sense? So that's the next one. Be who you are, where you are. Here's number four. And this is a big one. Remember, the Spirit is the gift. So some of us get stuck in our gifting. I'm an encourager, so that's all I do. You know, I'm a teacher, so that's all I do. But we will be in places where other gifts are needed. And because the gifts, all plural, come from the Father, from Christ, and Christ lives in us, then that means that we have access to all the gifts. 
One of them, you may be like lean towards one. One of them is, you know, I like this one better. I do this one better. But because Christ is in you, because the spirit of the living God is moving among you, there may be times that he says, I know you're not an evangelist, but I need you as an evangelist today. And you, and, and you see, they're going like, nope, no, I, I took the spiritual gift test. Uh, it said, no, I'm not that, you know. But because the Lord is with you and he is the gift, he is the gift. I, I just want you to receive that. Like God himself is the gift. And because he's in us, we get everything else, right? You have access to all of it. There may be times where you need to lead and be apostolic. There's times where you need to teach and open up the scriptures and figure out how to pass that on to somebody else. Sometimes you need to take care of people and protect them. And God says, I got you covered because I'm with you. I got you covered because I'm with you. Okay? And so I want you to know that the Spirit is the gift. Don't get locked in to just one identity. God's got way more for you. However, He'll probably use you the most in that one space. All right? Does that make sense? All good with that? God's the Spirit. Spirit's the gift. Number five, share the load. And after this, there's just one more. Share the load. And, and this is what I would say to you as a group of people. In church world, forever and ever and ever, since we installed the Pope, we decided there were some special people in the church and not some special people in the church. Some people that did all the work in the church, some people that didn't do the work in the church. They just came and listened, right? And we decided, hey, that's cool. Those guys want to you know, kill themselves doing stuff? Let them. You know, we'll just sit here and have fun watching them you know, do all the stuff. And so part of this structure that I think Ephesians gives us, that Paul is gifting us, is he's saying, hey, there's room for everybody to add a finger to the lifting of the table. You know? and, and that's all he's saying. Is, Could I have one finger? <laughs> Could, if, because if all of us went around this table with one finger, we'd lift it up. Right? It's either you know, Dave and Matt go move that table, or you know, with all of their strengths, or we all pitch in a finger and we all move the table. I think part of what Paul is trying to get at here is that the kingdom life is a body life thing. It was never meant to be for professionals. It was never meant to be for a few. It was a gift given to all of us. And every one of you has a beautiful gift to give. And we need it. I mean, I think to myself, just as a part of the kingdom in this greater metro area, like, I feel like I need you to do your work here on this side of town so that I know I can go do my work on that side of town. Like, the Lord has called me to do some things, but I'm just one guy. I can only do it in a certain region, in a certain space. And even there, I need other people in the body to take care of their neighborhoods and their streets and everything else, that they would move in a place where they would use their gifts for the overall service of the kingdom. And I would just say, bring it. Like, will you bring your stuff? Would you share the load? Every one of you has something beautiful to give. And I'd say, be like those guys in Antioch. Get in trouble. Go ahead and use your gift without the permission of your pastors and, do, and cause this mischief that you know Matt is talking about. And go do your thing somewhere, wherever it is that you're going to do, and bring the beauty of the kingdom. And if something goes wrong, they'll come and you know, clean it up for you. Which probably means they'll say, keep doing that. So that will happen on your own, in your own places, but then that happens collectively as you move in this community. House churches gathered, scattered, 
bringing coffee, taking care of kids, taking care of each other, all of that. Share the load is what Ephesians is trying to say. Talk to us. Last one is celebrate the victories. And this is what I would say. If God is moving us towards unity and maturity, if unity starts happening among you, you guys need to throw a party. This is, yeah, exactly. It's so rare now that if you are are moving in unity, you need to recognize it, pat each other on the back, say thank you to one another, say we are moving closer and closer to unity, to this prayer, this beautiful thing that God has talked to us about. If somebody here is moving in maturity and you're seeing them grow, like you took a next step, like you're moving, you know, closer, you say, you know, you, you, I just, I, I just, you can't just say, that was nice, come back next week. You know, I think you had to say, thank you. I mean, we rejoice in this. This is celebration. Every moment of growth, every step of growth, every trajectory towards growth and maturity is such a gift. It's not just a gift to you. It's a gift to the body. It's a gift to the kingdom. It's a gift to your street. It's a, I mean, when you meet those people, right, that have walked with the Lord and they walk in with that presence, I mean, you're like, you are a gift to this world. Thank, you, thank the Lord that you were born. And so God begins with these little seeds and he grows us into great oaks is the way that, you know, the scriptures kind of talk about it. Grow and celebrate. Uh, if somebody steps into house church for the first time, way to go. If somebody comes here for the first time, way to go. I mean, all of these points of celebration, we are awful at celebrating. I'm awful at celebrating. My family knows that. I hate celebrating. But the Lord keeps saying, you've got to celebrate. And so that's one of my growth edges. And I hope that you will take it on as a church to be great partiers for each other, great encouragers for each other as you move into this space. So that's it. Apest is, you know, a big, crazy thing that can actually happen. That's a beautiful, you know, structure that God has given us. And we start moving into it little by little by little. If you want to grow into it, there's some people here that would love to teach you more. If, if you want to find your gift and, and move into your gift, this is a great place to do it. If you want to, you know, practice it and fumble through it, this is a safe place to do it. Just, just go for it. Uh, in my little job, and I'll just end with this, I have been amazed at how I can actually follow Jesus in the real world. I'm amazed, I mean, and surprised that God would actually use me in what we typically call a secular space, although I definitely agree with what Matt said, everything is sacred. But in these places where you don't think God exists, that He is alive and well, and that the people that would seem like the least receptive to this whole kingdom thing are actually maybe the most. They are starving for somebody to show them a bigger life, a better perspective, to actually move in love and respect. All of that. And we as agents of the kingdom, as these little ambassadors all over the place in the city, we can't step into that. And I'm excited that you guys get to do that. I'm I'm banking on that you guys are doing that as part of the kingdom on this side of town. So let me pray. Then we'll go with Matt and we'll be gone. God, you are good. And you are a God that gives good gifts. And thank you for, for giving us these gifts of these kind of leader type people that are equipping us to grow up. And then, God, thank you that you have put some of that stuff in all of us and help us to notice it 
Help us to grow in it. Help us to mature and, and move towards love and, and, and unity. God, I pray that as this community of people do life together, that they'll love each other well, that they'll celebrate huge, and that they'll keep moving through what it means to follow you. And I thank you, God, that you've put every one of these people on this earth. Your uh, beautiful, very good creation, your image bearers here on this planet. God, may they flourish in everything they do. May you use them in ways that they never thought they'd be used. And may they find such joy, God. Because as you say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so God, I pray that they find lightness and ease and joy as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect further, please visit us at www.cdchurch.org.